Welcome to the week 18 edition of the Better Rivals podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week it is playing time. The 49ers face the Rams with their playoff hopes on the line. And with me this week, speaking out against licking toilet bowl seats, it's David Newman. Who's doing it? Who's doing it? Who do we uh, need to fix? In, I don't think you can fix them. Instagram models. Uh, apparently, last year there was like Instagram, uh, or there was like a challenge, like a toilet bowl or toilet seat licking challenge. This is when people didn't think COVID was all that serious, I guess. And there was an Instagram model who became uh, like viral for licking a toilet seat. Well, flash forward to this past weekend, this same Instagram lingerie model gets smuggled into Antonio Brown's hotel room. They have a romp of some sorts. Antonio Brown then exits the, the, the Buccaneers spectacularly, and she then tests positive for COVID. So <laughs> of all of the things that happened to Antonio Brown, he's now got this woman basically putting him on blast. And she's like, yeah, they offered me $10,000 to stay silent. She's released all the text messages, the voice memos. Apparently, Antonio Brown is like mumbling through them. It is, you, you don't think the Antonio Brown story can get any weirder. And yet here we are. Sounds like everyone got what they deserved. If I never heard <laughs> Antonio Brown's name again, I would be fine with that. Like, I, I do not care at all, like, what happens to that guy. Man, it's uh, I'm over it. business. Business is booming, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and so is the Rona. Happy anniversary, wedding. <laughs> wedding. You just, it's, it's just, it's a content mill, though. You can't not, it's a car crash. You can't not look away. Um and and like there 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 are legitimate questions about whether or not he's okay mentally and like wishing him all of the mental health that he deserves, um, but it's still like full Tyson zone. Like anything that you would tell me about this story, I would one hundred percent believe. Yeah. Uh, all right, it's week eighteen, David. the The week that is not necessarily new. the The NFL had a week eighteen like sometime in like the eighties or nineties or something, and they tried uh, a two buy system, which is, in my opinion, the way to do it. Still, does, still have yeah. 16 games, yep. but have two buys, stretch things out to week 18. That's the smart implementation, but you know they got to get that money. So they're going to give you 18 weeks, and here we are, week 18. The Niners would have clinched a playoff spot last week, but now they're effectively playing for their lives. If they win, they are in. If they lose, they could still be in, but they would need some help from the Saints. So how are the 49ers going to take down the Los Angeles Rams? How is McVay? going to beat his son once more. How is Debo going to, you know, basically own Aaron Donald once more? These are the questions you've got to ask. And <laughs> and we start with with really to zone or not to zone. That is the question. And it seems to revolve around one Mr. James Garoppolo. Like he you got to think he's playing, right? I mean, you would think so. Like if I had to pick, I'm saying he's playing. Like just, yeah, if I had to pick, yeah. I'm saying he's playing too. You've got uh, you've got beat reporter videos of him throwing. They look like normal passes. This is the second day in a row that he's thrown passes. This is the longest. So their 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 schedule when they practice is basically they have like a a lighter practice on Wednesdays. Thursdays is the heaviest longest practice of the week. Friday is basically a glorified walkthrough, um, and then Saturday, you know, you kind of travel rest. Sunday um, is the game. 
And so the, really the, the key is, are they going to throw or be limited on Thursday? And, and he did. He took some first-team reps. He was throwing the football. And Debo Samuel said, quote, Jimmy's looked just like Jimmy to me, um, which, you know, that's it, it sounds like he's on track to play. Take take that what you will yeah. <laughs> take, take, you know, the 60 percent or whatever it is, you know, uh, Jimmy four fingers, same as Jimmy five fingers, basically is what he's saying. Uh, and, and Mike McDaniel did add a little bit of color to that offensive coordinator. He said ball handling, taking snaps from center, handing off. Those are concerns for Jimmy. And those are things that the reporters didn't see him do a lot in practice. But the, the reason we start with Jimmy Garoppolo is not to get into the whole Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance thing, but it's just really to see whether or not the Niners are going to be able to replicate the same kind of plan they had in week 10, because the running game with Trey Lance, especially in the first half against that Houston game was different than the zone heavy approach that they implemented against the Rams in week 10. Right. I, I mean, in, in the first Rams game, they were almost exclusively zone. It felt like, right. So it was, uh, like 30 of their, they have 45 actual, uh, attempts. Cause you had like a, a kneel down and a sneak that was, um, mixed up in there as well. So 45 actual run plays and they only had a puller on three of those essentially. So they ran power three times. The rest of those were either zone or man blocking stuff where you're not dealing with pullers. And then when you contrast that to what we saw last week, right, it was a lot more power counter stuff than uh, they've kind of settled into to doing really since I think this uh, this Ram- first Rams game. So yeah, I think, you know, outside zone was, uh, such a big part of their success on the ground against the Rams the first time and their ability to, to rack up all those rushing attempts and, uh, you know, just kind of beat the shit out of the Rams defense a little bit there. Right. And, and so, yeah, I mean, they had 19 carries, uh, looks like, you know, 60 yards on those carries. So not necessarily the most efficient thing, but it was, that was kind of what kept them churning, um, you know, in, in most of that first game. Yeah. And when you look at those gap runs early on in the Houston game, they, they weren't terribly effective. I mean, we saw bash with the kind of a, a counter run that that's the run that the uh, Ravens made really, really famous where the quarterback is basically running the counter. And then you've got the constraint play outside with the back away and and they ran that they also ran an inverted version of that and they didn't really do all that well in part because lance just didn't make a great read it could have gone for a big gainer but you know lance i think probably still needs to get a bit more familiar with that which is interesting considering he did a lot of that in college not necessarily that play specifically but just read concepts in general um quarterback power was really the only thing they ran in the second half because they changed their approach in the run game Really, in the second half of that Houston game, it was a lot of pulling. It was a lot of that that kind of zone read stuff and, and quarterback option play in the first half. But once they get to the second half, it's basically Trey Lance under center and zone running. And that's when, you know, the offense really started to click for the 49ers. And so it really is, you know, if you're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo play, it seems like that's going to be the thing that's going to play into the strength of what the 49ers are able to do, want to do, and have executed effectively uh, over the last few weeks. Or even, I guess, like the other side of that, right? So I, th- I think, yeah, it's safe to assume that that they're going to kind of go back to more of that approach if we do see Jimmy out there. Uh, if Lance is, is the one that gets the nod, though, like you have to wonder if they just kind of uh, give some of the special things that, that they put in when he's out there 
just to the side, right? If, if they just kind of set them and go more to what they did in the second half, right? Which is, is go back to their under center run game, um, or at least kind of stick to more of the typical stuff they've been doing. Cause obviously they've been playing, uh, you know, out of shotgun a decent amount with Jimmy as well and, and doing a lot of run game stuff there. So yeah, I, I think it's more like going back to the zone stuff, maybe not as, uh, implementing quite as much of the read things or the special quarterback runs. And, and I think you only kind of mix those in there, uh, you know, in some short yardage situations, which is what they did in the second half, right? All of those quarterback powers that they ran were, were essentially like second and third and short plays um, that, that they were just trying to get a, a few yards, convert uh, and, and kind of move on. But all of their base down situation stuff was back to under center. So you wonder if they just kind of decide that, all right, this stuff isn't working for us right now. Like we, this is a a one game scenario for us, right? Like we, we need to put our best stuff out there right now. And that's going to be the zone stuff. Yeah. What's interesting is the, the idea that maybe now because of Jimmy's injury, you're going to go back to more of this two quarterback system. You're going to flip him and flip him out more of what we saw maybe in, in the first game. And uh, for those of you that are not watching on the live stream, that didn't that didn't buy us a beer, that didn't join the happy hour, that is the Better Rivals Patreon community, you did not get to see the absolute epic eye roll <laughs> that David Newman just hit the world with, because it was, I mean, it was elite level. Uh, it was it was an elite level eye roll, is what I'm saying. It would have gotten like maybe a plus two in the PFF rating system <laughs> on this one play. And, and 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 honestly, it's it's a face that kind of communicates a little bit of what I feel, not because it's necessarily not going to be effective, but because if they do trot Trey Lance out there, it you know it's going to be a quarterback run. They're going to crowd the line. I don't think it's going to be that effective. The way you make something like that effective is, is to threaten with the actual pass. But then you've got Trey Lance going up against that secondary, going up you know against a team where he's kind of coming in cold and trying to make a pass. Um, you know, there's there's some risk there and some nuance there that. You know, I think if Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, I think you, you you play Jimmy Garoppolo. I could understand bringing Lance in, like maybe in the red zone on you know a short yardage play, that kind of thing, um, and not risking Jimmy on on a quarterback sneak. But I think if you're going to play a quarterback, play that quarterback and don't necessarily flip him or rotate him. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a reason that they abandoned this approach early in the season, right? Even when both guys were healthy, and it's because it's not working. Like it, it didn't work. It you get too predictable when you put Lance out there. And as we kind of talked about, you know, a little bit on, on the previous pod, we talked about this uh, a little in our Patreon video this week, but kind of surprisingly, the worst thing about Lance so far, really, uh, in, in his time out there has been the run game stuff. Like he has been really unimpressive as a runner and, and a lot of the concepts that they've been trying to run with him in there to either get him involved as the primary runner or give him a read option. Uh, like they just haven't been very successful, um, for a number of different reasons, whether it's Lance not getting the correct reads, whether it's the lineman, you know, missing assignments or not getting certain fronts blocked, uh, blocked up correctly. Um, so it's, it's just like, yeah, it hasn't been very effective. So, you, you combine those two things where you get predictable and then you're running stuff that you're less good at. Like, it's just not a good combination. You're wasting snaps by by doing that because as soon as you send Lance out on the field, everybody knows that that there's a much higher chance that this is going to be a run play. It's probably going to have some sort of read involved in it or it's going to be some sort of quarterback run and, and they can kind of tee up on that stuff. 
And I think, yeah, the things that you're adding with Lance right now and the things that he's been a little bit more successful with than Jimmy is is the downfield throwing stuff, right? That's kind of what he is bringing right now to your offense in, in comparison to Jimmy. So, yeah, if it's just to, to kind of rotate him out and throw him out there as a runner every once in a while, it's it's a waste of snaps. Do you think the Rams are going to stick with their too high shell and try to play with a light box and, and maybe play a gap and a half considering what happened in the first game. I mean, Elijah Mitchell's coming back. If he gets, uh, I think he's, he's basically like a hundred yards away or something like that from being a thousand yard rusher. And, and if George Kittle gets another hundred yards, then you, you've basically got 2000 yard receivers in Kittle and Debo and, uh, and then a thousand yard rusher. And, and I, I'm not saying that Shanahan's going to necessarily try to go for that, but I mean, Elijah Mitchell is his workhorse. If Elijah Mitchell is on the field, he's getting 100% of the snaps. It is Jeff Wilson who and Trey Sermon on special teams. That's the way that he is going to call the game. Do you think that the Rams are going to sit there and be like, yeah, we're going to play our safeties back again. I dare you to run 40 times and go on an 18-yard or an 18-play drive. I'll tell you what, man, if if they do the like the Fortnite should be so fucking happy. Uh, like, I, I don't know how you can justify doing that. Like, the only thing that uh, I, I think you would if, if they do it, the, the justification, I think, would have to be right. They're coming. This is what we do. We're going to do what we do best and, and just, you know think that that's going to be enough but i i think you know that works to a degree but sometimes you have to to be willing to adapt a little bit to a specific opponent right and i think it's very clear especially in this game right you're getting either an injured jimmy garoppolo or a rookie quarterback that is is struggled right like that hasn't been super efficient in uh in in his time out there so far so you're you're getting hampered quarterback play kind of no matter the outcome and it, it just seems if you're going to sit back in a, in a too high shell and not get extra defenders down in the box to try to slow this run game down you are shooting yourself in the foot like it, it would just be really really stupid I feel like for them to sit back there and do that again this week and that's the part that's going to be so interesting because now if you do commit that many bodies up if you do play with an extra safety down in the box now this is where your quarterback is going to need to be able to throw the ball. And this is why I think the team is angling for Jimmy Garoppolo to play. Because we know that as a quarterback, you're the, how long you hold on to the ball is, is, is tied to your style. And your style is generally consistent year to year. Yes, it shifts around and it changes a little bit, but it is relatively consistent. Trey Lance holds the ball in the NFL. His time to throw is a little bit longer. It's because he tries to create. It's because he moves around in the pocket. There's lots of reasons. Mobile quarterbacks generally have a longer time to throw than non-mobile quarterbacks. And he is one of them. And I don't know that you want to necessarily have to make Dan Brunskill hold up against Aaron Donald for an extra second. Yeah, That's not a world I want to <laughs> live in. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback with all of his deficiencies that gets the ball out in two and a half seconds and can get the ball out quick and can do it in an area in a, a, a congested middle of the field, you know, I can see why the team is is angling for him to come back because that seems more like a recipe to succeed. Try and rely on your running game where you can take, you know, not necessarily deep shots, but take what the defense is giving you in the passing game. That can be more of a path to victory than necessarily trying to wait for three and a half seconds and throw in a deep shot against Jalen Ramsey. It, it just feels like defensively, right? You don't want to lean into what, the the opposing offense wants to do right like there there's no question that if the 49ers 
have their way, right? If, if they get things go exactly the way that they want and the way that they planned, that's going to be a game that is a lot of running, right? It's going to be a run heavy thing. They're going to have success on the ground. They're going to really limit the number of times that they need to drop back. They're going to be very selective with when they choose to pass and, and be confident that they can get guys open and not make these quarterbacks have to, to make difficult throws, right? And so as a defense, it, it seems like your job should be to disrupt that thing, not lean into it and allow them to do it, right? Like all of the reasons that they go too high so often make a ton of sense against most other teams in the NFL. It does not make sense against the 49ers. And, and I think you have to recognize that and have to say, this is a game that we need to kind of switch things up. We need to get extra defenders down the box. We need to gear up for this run game and and just live with the fact that if they still beat us with an injured Jimmy Garoppolo or with a rookie quarterback uh, in Trey Lance, then, hey, like we we forced them. We, we made them as handicapped as we could. They managed to get it done today, and, and you can kind of live with that. I, I don't think you can go out and live with them running the ball 45 more times down your throat and, and winning another game. Especially when the, the Rams are playing for seeding, yes, but they've got a playoff spot locked up. And so they may be, you know, they're playing for the division and that definitely guarantees a home game. That's a big deal. But, you know, that, that may enter the calculus at some point, especially late. Uh, one quick note from the research department. Uh, George Kittle is 100 yards away from a thousand yard season, 900 yards on the year. Elijah Mitchell, 122 yards away from a thousand yards. Uh, although at, at the, if this game goes well for the Niners, that number seems very achievable for yeah. Elijah Mitchell. That seems very, very achievable. Um, you don't even have to get 100 yards a game if you play all 16 or, I guess, 17 now in order to break a 1,000-yard season. Like I feel like the 1,000-yard number for running backs is too low at this point. I feel like 1,200, 1,300 yards is really where you start to, to make your money. As, yeah, because, I mean, even back. when it was just 16 games, right, I think it was uh, like fewer than 60 yards a game. It was like 58, 59 yards a game was the average yeah. you needed to hit 1,000. So it's, yeah. yeah. The Rams come in with a Matt Stafford that is maybe the Matt Stafford that he always was. This is a super, super interesting, I think, plotline for, for Stafford and the Rams in general because there are two things that are interesting about Matt Stafford's season so far this year. One, his PFF grade is now basically the same as it's been his entire career in Detroit. <laughs> and, and the difference is the surrounding cast around him. Better defense, better skill position players, so better stats... And I think overall EPA is is higher, but his actual like play by play grade, his passing grade, as PFF is charting it, is exactly right. If my dude's a flat line, like right around seventy nine to eighty five is is where he lives, uh, and so he's basically the same Matt Stafford. And these last two games, he's become kind of this boneheaded Matt Stafford, where his turnover worthy plays have rocketed up, and he had you know he had four turnover worthy plays against the Vikings. He had three against the Ravens. Over the last two weeks, only Mike the Neck Glennon has a higher turnover-worthy play percentage. And you, you remember in week 10, the 49ers forced him into four turnover-worthy plays. Jimmy Ward matched his career high in interceptions in one game with two of them. And there was also a pick six. You know, this is the Matt Stafford that Shanahan wanted, that the Niners wanted. And, and it's the same Matt Stafford. Um, and, and we're hoping we're getting the, the bad end of that Matt Stafford, because if they can force him into turnover worthy plays, get this game out of reach, continue to run the ball as they did in week 10, then the Niners are riding high to the playoffs. Right. I, and I think that's the thing, right? Is our, which version are we going to get? Because 
yes, the last two weeks have been very bad. The three weeks before that were fine. I mean, even, you know, in week 14 against the the Cardinals was his highest graded game of the season. So it, this is, like you said, this is just kind of who he has been. The passing grade is very similar. Even a lot of the component parts, right, are, are similar. His big time throw rate is basically dead on for his career average at just a little over 5%. The turnover-worthy play rate, even with these uh, crazy last couple weeks that, that have kind of ballooned it a little bit, um, is, again, right on par with his career average. So, yeah, he just kind of is this guy, and he's capable of brilliant games, especially with you know a, a much better cast and, and team in, in the Rams. Um, but he's also capable of being awful for, for four quarters, right? So uh, I, I think, yeah, the version that the 49ers get in this game is going to be a huge factor in determining how well they can do because obviously the secondary is is the weakest part of this defense and so if they're able to go and throw the ball and and he is taking care of it a little bit better um even if it's not you know uh no you know he's not having zero turnover worthy plays in this game like if he can keep it down a little bit one you know maybe you get away with two uh, something like that, like that's going to be a lot more manageable for them. But if he has another similar performance to the week 10 game, yeah, I mean, that's going to really, again, lean into uh, masking the 49ers deficiencies right now. It's going to lead uh, to the game script that they want. Matt, you mentioned that Stafford may have a bad game for four quarters, and apparently the fourth quarter is actually the only quarter in which he doesn't have bad games. Uh, so th- this comes from the uh, the PFF podcast, uh, Sam, and uh, and he mentions that uh, Sam Monson mentions that the the PFF grade for uh, Stafford in the fourth quarter is over ninety. It's the highest in the NFL, and it's the only quarterback over ninety in PFF passing grade for the fourth quarter. So one of the things I mentioned on their preview is that if this game is tight, if this game is close. And now you're in the fourth quarter. It's not a blowout like it was or close to a blowout like it was in week 10. You know, now maybe it's actually Stafford's time to shine and he can actually put some things together. And and, and that, I think that seems like it's it's a viable path for this game where they end up keeping it close. The Niners don't get a couple of gimmies. They don't get a pick six. It's within one score in the fourth quarter. And now it comes down to who's got the best quarterback, who's going to be able to put together a drive or two to score. Um, and that's where I do think, despite all of Matt Stafford's deficiencies, this game does kind of tilt his way, considering that the secondary may not all be back from COVID. You've got Jimmy Ward, Dante Johnson, Ambry Thomas, K1 Williams, and Deamador Lenore, all of whom are on the COVID-19 list. With the new five-day window, they can come back, and they're likely to be back. Shanahan said, we expect them all to be back, but you know, you're, you're not entirely sure. They may not be able to all be back. And if they're not, now you have a depleted secondary against Stafford, against the Rams, against Odell Beckham, who's now had more than 17 minutes on the team because <laughs> the, the week 10 was his first time, his yep. first game with the Rams, right? So it is going to be a slightly different dynamic, especially if none of the, if that entire secondary isn't there and ready. Right. Because I mean, we would be talking about this being problematic, even if they were all there. Right. Like th- that's still kind of been the weak spot, even when they're all out on the field. And and so, yeah, if you, uh, you know, further deplete an already depleted secondary, things could get ugly right against a, an offense that has as much firepower, even if they haven't, you know, necessarily consistently 
put it together every week. You know that they're capable of of kind of putting up some big numbers offensively. And and so if, suddenly if you're down to second and third string players across all the spots in the secondary, like it could be rough out there. You know, the, the pass rush can only do so much to to kind of help mitigate the time that those guys need to be out there. So it, it's just, yeah, it, it could be a very bad situation if it gets into, um, you know, a spot where the 49ers can't hang on to the ball offensively and, and kind of shorten the game like they really want to. Now, Emmanuel Mosley did practice today, Thursday. So it looks like he may be on track to be available and and it under it un, it's understandable that all of the corners kind of made it onto the COVID list at the same time because they're you know they're all close contacts they share a position room. My question is, why don't they like Jaquaski Tart? All right, was he out getting donuts or something? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, it's making a crispy run. <laughs> they're all hanging out together, and Jaquaski Tart's over here, you know, subtweeting PFF about his grade. You know, like and so he he missed the the COVID run, and he is you know in line to play at this point. But that's that's my real question: is is why don't they like Jaquaski Tart? <laughs> it is pretty funny that you've got the one guy right that's just like where what were you doing hey man the the team the team the team he was getting uh chick-fil-a that's what yep. he was doing mm-hmm. um all right so I, I think in terms of the game what what do you think happens because i mean obviously a lot of people are picking the niners to cover and that makes sense because basically what you're saying there is that the niners and the rams are just going to play a tight game but the niners don't get points for covering they need to win this game uh, what do you think happens? Uh, do they win or do they need help? I mean, I don't know, man. This this matchup is is always so tough because I think you you look at this and, and the Rams do feel like a better team, right? When you just kind of look at how they perform on a week-to-week basis relative to what we've seen from the 49ers over the course season, when you look at the talent that they have at, at different spots, like they feel like a better football team that's at home, that should win this game. But we know that the 49ers match up really well with them and they've been able to play them very well over the last couple seasons. So uh, it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I think a lot of it is going to depend on how the quarterback position looks for the 49ers. Right. I, I don't think obviously they need to be great there, but they can't be a disaster there. Like if, if Jimmy Garoppolo is, is the one that gets the go and and he can't hold on to the ball. He's he's fumbling snaps. You know, he can't get handoffs. He can't do the more basic things like this. Or just, you know, he does have like an errant throw or two that that gets capitalized on by the Rams defense, right? And and creates some big plays for them. Like that's gonna be very problematic and difficult for them to overcome. If Lance gets out there, we need to see, I think, very much the the kind of like let's protect him as much as possible and and kind of not allow him to do too much. Uh, because yeah, same thing, right? You got to avoid the disastrous plays, I think, regardless of who's out there so that you have a chance to stick with the game script you want, because if they can do that, we know that they can be successful against this defense, uh, especially if they decide to be really fucking stupid and continue with the too high stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think like, obviously I, I want the 49ers to win. I know that there's a chance that they definitely can win, but it doesn't feel like it's a game they should win, I guess. Yeah, it's I hadn't even thought about the the ball security issues that you run into with someone coming around the edge and and hitting Jimmy Garoppolo's hand and and what that might do to his thumb. I hadn't even thought about. It. Thanks for putting that thought in my mind, David, right now at the very end as we round down. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think that this is a game the Niners can win, whether or not they will. You know, I, I think it's it's kind of a coin flip at this point. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not confident enough to say they're going to go in and win. But I think if you are going to face a team that on paper is better than you, if the Niners are going to face a team that is on paper better than them, there's no one better than the Rams <laughs> like to, to yep. face because this is the yep. team that like, if you are going to beat a team that's better than you, this is the team you're going to beat. For whatever reason, they just have their number. Uh, I do think it has something to do with style. I do think it has something to do with seeing similar concepts on defense week in and week out that the team is used to seeing route distributions, combinations, that kind of stuff. I think all that comes into, into play. And so I do think this is going to be you know a tight game. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, let's get to quick hits. Uh, first up, when you look at the 49ers additive war, it's their implied wins based on adding up all of the PFF war values on the team. This was posted by Dr. Eric Eager, friend of the pod. The Niners war wins above replacement is at 9.8 wins, meaning that their players have performed such that they would have generated almost 10 wins. The Niners are clocking about a game under that. Where would you place the blame for that underperformance at this point, David? I mean, bad luck. You're, you're talking less than a game in, in reality, yeah. right? I think you look at, at point differential paints a pretty similar picture as well. I think when you look at their implied win total based on on that, they're at about nine and a half wins. So very, very similar numbers. And, and when you're talking less than a game like that, I mean, yeah, it's it's usually randomness and, and just like some bad luck, right? And we've talked previously uh, about things like the fumble luck that they've had and, and just like different things like that, right. That happen over the course, uh, of a season, all the close games that they've lost and, and things like that. So I, I think what I don't take away seeing that number and saying that, yeah, something is wrong. Why don't they have an extra win? I think like, okay, yeah, they're about where they should be, which is kind of like how it's, that's how their season is felt, right? They felt like a, a slightly above 500 team. Interestingly enough, we're talking about the Rams being the, the better team right now. They are, based on this metric, the third best team in the NFL. They have 11.5 wins if you were to take all of their players' wars combined. Uh, and the Cardinals are at 9.1. So the Cardinals are actually slightly below. So the Cardinals have overperformed, which would explain their regression to the mean over the last couple of weeks and the, the kind of story about them you know, not needing the win against the Dallas Cowboys in order to, to kind of get back into playoff position. But interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. The other thing is Nick Bosa gets double teamed a metric shit ton. Uh, his double team rate is just shy of like 20, I think 27%, uh, which means basically a quarter of, of snaps he's getting double teamed. And his past rush win rate um, is still really high. It's like top seven, top 10 in the league, um, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, he's having a monster season. He's got the sacks to back it up. Um, and and hopefully he's has a monster game against the Rams because if they don't double chip him, if they think uh, or double team him, if they think that you know Whitworth can handle him on his own, or if they don't kind of slide things his way, um, you know hopefully he gets a couple sacks in there uh, and he starts getting into those record books for the 49ers because um, he, man, him having a good game would be huge. It really, really would. Yeah, I mean, they, they need him and the rest of this pass rush to to absolutely be there and be at the top of their game, right? Like, because we know that the Rams are already going to do a lot of similar things that the Niners do to kind of 
help mitigate the pass rush, right? Whether it's play action or, or just kind of doing things to move the pocket a little bit and, and, you know, not give those pass rushers necessarily clean, just pure go after the passer opportunities, right? Like the, the what you're getting in the pure drop back game on, on third down and stuff like that. So they, they really need to maximize those opportunities they do get, right? Those, those big third downs, they need to show up and, and make sure that, even if they are not getting home and able to get Stafford on the ground, that they're affecting him and his ability to to find guys downfield and, and take advantage of the secondary. Alden Smith had 19 and a half sacks in 2012. I don't think Bosa is going to get 19 and a half this season. Um, but even if he gets up into like the, you know, 16, 16 and a half, 17 area, that was still put him in, in pretty Remarkable company in a single season for the 49ers. Um, it also, I think, shows that they need to get someone on the other side of Bosa. And that other person is not going to be D Ford. Um, so, you know, that ship has obviously sailed. Someone else needs to be on the other side because if, if the Niners can make, if they can really punish teams for double teaming, um, now this defense really begins to to get a little they bit. They can just use another first round pick. Oh, wait. That's fine. They're going to use a fifth round pick. Uh, it's probably <laughs> going to be, you know, that is their most, that, that is their most valuable pick as it is. All right. So he's a fifth rounder. Um, no, you know, whatever their first pick is going to be, is going to be an edge rusher. Like, and as long as they pay a corner, fine, whatever. Draft your edge guys, pay a corner. It's fine. Uh, Cooper cup could make history on Sunday. He is 11 catches away from tying Michael Thomas's 149 receptions. And he has 135 receiving yards from Calvin Johnson's uh, record uh, of having over 1,900 and some odd yards. Um, he had 11 catches for 122 yards in week 10. So it's not unreasonable. It's We're not talking out of the realm of possibility for him to break both of those on Sunday against the 49ers. I mean, it seems just as likely as, you know, probably more likely, honestly, than Kittle getting his 100 yards that he needs. Because, like, I don't know, man. It it depends on how this game goes, obviously. But if they they get it their way, like, they may not have 100 yards passing total. Like, in this game, they're just going to run the ball 55 times or something. So, uh yeah i i mean it, this is a, a certainly an ideal matchup for him to be able to get those kind of numbers this is it's it's play, this is basically a playoff game and when it's playoff time you, shanahan implements his playoff game plan and we know what the playoff game plan is run the ball as much as you can don't let garoppolo throw it you know 50 yards passing that's the plan let's do it uh what do you think about all these 16 game records being broken in 17 games uh, I mean, it's dumb, but it also is what it is, right? Like, I, I think they, you know, everybody probably felt this way when they went from 14 games to 16 games and, and all those, and everybody gets used to it, and that's just what it is. And, and I think the also, the other thing is, too, is, like, I just care less, like, about those records now. Like, it, once I realized that, like, total yards and just, like, those raw counting stats kind of suck as a way to to really look at how well players are doing, like... I really don't pay attention to them anymore. Like I couldn't tell you how many yards right now the leading rusher has in the NFL before you had mentioned how close, you know, cup was away. Like I wouldn't have been able to tell you his total yards number. Like it's just not something I pay attention to any longer. So like personally, I I really don't care anymore. But even then I think it's just like one of those things it's going to suck to see some of those records get broken, but that's what happens. It's just, we'll get used to it eventually. And 
nobody will think yeah. about it. I mean, I think this is just incumbent on the 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 whomever is reporting said stat to note it. Uh, just like when we talk about Jerry Rice's twenty two touchdowns and the strike shortened season, it's like he got twenty two touchdowns, and that was a strike shortened season. You know, that was twelve yeah. games. Um, you know, it, it becomes part of the stat. So it evolves, it grows, it happens. You know, the season wasn't always sixteen games. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if the owners get their way, you know, it'll be a twenty two game season. Um, at some point here in the next little bit, you know, be no off season. I'm just gonna continue no. to play every week why do you need one why do you need one uh and then lastly well second to lastly perhaps uh when you flip all one score games you know we, we've, we've talked at length on this podcast about you know and david you talked about it being you know a little unlucky for the niners to not have the 10th win despite the fact that everything points to them being just a little better than nine wins but it, so it, and one score games are generally coin flips generally people regress to the mean if, if you kind of over index in one score games you lose a bunch of them if you lose a bunch of them you kind of win a few of them the next time they come back um and and if you were to flip every single one score game in the nfl this season the nfc playoff seedings look like this eagles first overall seed at 11 and 5 cardinals second overall seed 11 and 5 panthers three nine and seven panthers nine and seven three uh packers at four nine and seven 49ers at five, 10 and six, and the Cowboys in the six seed, nine and seven, and the Rams bring it up the rear at nine and seven in the seventh seed. This is, would be, of course, going into the week 18 games. Um, so th- this is just another way of, of, to me, it's another way of saying that the NFC was really, really crowded. And if things break differently, um, then, you know, things are, are very different. I mean, if a couple of the game for the Niners break differently, I think they're, they're looking at a very, very different season so far. But the one that surprised me the most was the Panthers. Yeah. I, I mean, that that is a little weird to see. It is funny, though, like looking at this, you know, they don't quite make the playoff cut because of tiebreakers, it looks like. But uh, the Seahawks also at nine and seven when when you do this. And so every single NFC West team above 500 in, in this alternate universe here, which is, you know, not far off from reality. So, yeah. All right, well, we'll see what happens in the game, whether this will be the last game of the season, whether or not there will be one, at least one more game for the playoffs of the 49ers. It all comes down week 18 on Sunday. We'll see what happens. Uh, That does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, tell me about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Get in there. Season's almost over, man. We've been putting in that work it's you know there's not gonna we're gonna have a little break here but hey if you want to support the pod go back appreciate the work that we've been doing all season it's the best place to do it buy us a beer seriously the cost of a pint support your favorite podcast do it up yeah we're we're gonna take a break it'll likely be a coffee break for me i have to learn how to make espresso why is espresso so hard there's so many things so many things and yeah it's gonna be interesting i'll let you know how it goes because trust me i tried last weekend coffee sucked um, but that does it. Uh, hopefully the Niners are right into the playoffs. Let's do it. One more week. Extend the season. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. Go Niners.